everyone. Welcome to another episode of Poetry Says. My name is Alice. Thank you so much for listening. Today I really wanted to chat to you about some of the things that came out of my writing retreat that I was lucky enough to do um, a couple of weeks ago now. Feels like ages ago, but it really wasn't very long um, ago that I got back from there. So I had the opportunity to spend six days with two other artists at a retreat centre in the Blue Mountains in New South Wales. And this is such a luxury and something that I'd been wanting to do, trying to do, applying to do for, I don't know, maybe four or five years now. And I'd applied to some of the more well-known retreat centres, Varuna, Bundanon, and hadn't had any luck there. I found this place and... It seemed uh, a little bit smaller, a little bit less uh, kind of a high status, I guess, and yeah, a bit easier to get into. Wrote to them, sent them where I was at with my manuscript, and lo and behold, they said, yes, you can come along. Here's what you need to know. Here's your dates. And I was really apprehensive, actually, because suddenly the reality of having a whole week with just me and the manuscript it felt very real and it felt very scary and I thought oh my god am I actually gonna do this am I gonna take time off work and all my other commitments and go out and do that but I knew that if I didn't do it there was no way that what I had of my manuscript was going to really change because it was already April and I had barely touched it Uh, I'd had a few weeks here and there of doing the old like starting every day with 20 minutes but It just wasn't actually happening. So yeah, I took the plunge and got on a plane, flew to Sydney, got in my rental car, drove out into the Blue Mountains. And when I got there, I was immediately overcome with a sense of physical exhaustion. Basically, I realized how tired I was. And this is something that I was actually prepared for because there was a fantastic episode of the Commonplace podcast where Rachel Zucker was at her own writing retreat and she spoke to a number of the other artists who were there. And one of them said, it's really important that when you go on retreat, you dedicate a quarter of the time at the beginning to just resting. Now I'm really bad at resting, so I certainly didn't manage a quarter of the time, but I did, I did spend probably the first day to day and a half Uh, just sitting and and moving things around in my room and just reading. I had Maggie Nelson's The Argonauts with me, which I managed to work my way through. I had Michael Farrell's I Love Poetry. I had Eddie Patterson's Redactor, which is kind of one of my totem books at the moment. And uh, what else did I take with me? I think that was about it in terms of what I brought So those were kind of my touchstone books, but obviously I I still had the internet, so I was still able to kind of dive into poems when I felt like I needed them. But I sort of wanted to limit my input, and so those were the books that I chose to bring with me. And of course, it was just so special to be in a place that was so quiet, so free from laundry, washing up, uh you know, my daily routine and just be surrounded by the bush, basically. This property is right on the edge of Wollamai National Park. And so that became really, really important to me as the week went on. 
One of the things that I realized as I started getting further and further into the work that I was trying to do, because it was that really difficult kind of last 10 to 20% work where all the really hard decisions are, what I realized was that if I would just accept that I didn't know what to do with the poem and then go for a walk into the bush, into the quiet, go and sit with some birds and just sit quietly, more often than not, in fact, every time I did this, the next step for that poem would just appear like it was waiting there for me, basically. I know it sounds a bit mystical, but it really did feel that um, I didn't have to come up with the answer. I just had to go into the quiet and just wait for the answer to float up and just be there. And that was really revelatory because it's totally the opposite of the way that I work on most things. I'm the kind of person who goes, okay, there's a problem needs to be solved. Work harder, keep working, just keep going until it's done. And realizing that actually what you need to do is to, to pull back And you need to know what the problem is that you're trying to solve, but you have to actually stop trying. And then with a poem, at least, the answer is going to come. And I guess I realized for the first time really concretely that the work of poetry, uh, the actual manipulating of the words happens very quickly. The majority of the work is happening away from the keyboard. And that makes me feel a lot better about the fact that I never feel like I'm spending enough time, quote unquote, on poetry. Makes me realize that, yeah, maybe maybe I'm always spending time on it, but I'm not actually sitting with it and doing the work all the time. So I was there for six days. And again, that was just such a huge luxury to be able to get into the mode of writing, to just be sitting with other people's words and my own words and to stay in that mode, to not be pulled out to, oh, I'm going to go see someone for dinner or I'm going to be looking after my nephew or, you know, all the dailiness, the domesticity that surrounds you at home. A huge luxury and really unrealistic, not something you can achieve at home. Yeah, I don't really have any great conclusion to draw from that I mean ideally every artist in Australia would have a grant to take at least a week off a year to go and do that kind of work I think it's something you can create without the barrier of a retreat center being there as like somebody giving you permission to do it I I do know of other poets who will just book into an Airbnb or maybe they have a friend's house even that they can go to and stay at Um, I think it's just about getting out of your daily routine and just staying in that headspace for as long as you can stand it basically and look by day six I was ready to get away from my work again for sure yeah so it's not a realistic experience it's not something that we can recreate in our day-to-day and that was really important for me as well because I think I have an expectation that I should be able to access this really um this state of real deep thinking around my work every day and so many days it just doesn't happen and that's a source of great frustration and disappointment but yeah I think I I started to see what that really looked like and I appreciated oh well of course this can't happen every day you know this is this is me in the bush basically 
Another thing that became abundantly clear with that practice of walking out into the bush, um, waiting for the answer to come, was again something that I kind of knew but became really solidified there, which is that you know when the poem's not right. And often it's the poems that you most want to be finished. Um, They're the ones that you might be convincing yourself are finished, but you know deep down there's a line in there that's just not right. And you just have to kind of face that and own up to it rather than just, uh, yeah, sweep it under the rug and decide that it's done. So I guess this is the antithesis or the opposite of what um, Valerie says, a poem is never finished but only abandoned. I think if you're abandoning too many poems, I think some poems, sure, you just walk away because they're always going to be in flux and maybe they're never going to come to a state that feels like completion. But yeah, I think that some poems, you know that you didn't finish it, that you just wandered off. You kind of gave up on it rather than actually finishing it. And that's something that I... Yeah, that was another tough realization because there were so many poems in the manuscript that I thought that one's done, it's fully done. Yep, no worries. And then I looked at it in the context of all the other poems I had and I realized it's nowhere near done. (laughs) It's nothing like what I want it to be like. So yeah, that was a bit of a, a tough realization there. Yeah, so listening to your gut, knowing when it's finished, And the answer just being there for you if you can get quiet enough. I think these are all things that that are, well, they're true for me. I don't know if they will resonate with you, but they definitely feel true for me having finally had this experience of being on retreat. Having the Argonauts with me, having uh, Redactor there. Um, oh, that's right. I also had uh, Fiona Wright's Domestic Interior with me as well. I knew there was one other book that I had. And yeah, having having all this work around me from other poets was very comforting. I wouldn't recommend going on a retreat with absolutely nothing with you. I think uh, one of the great things about having all that work around me was I didn't like all of it. I really didn't enjoy the Argonauts. I think I might be the only woman on earth who didn't like Maggie Nelson's The Argonauts. But that's fantastic when you're trying to write your own stuff because it's good to come up against work that doesn't resonate with you. It reminds you that you're not writing for everyone. Um, You're not going to please everyone. And that's a really freeing thing. So yeah, I I just found the Argonauts really disjointed. I really like Bluettes, just for the record. (laughs) I really like it. Uh, Yeah, don't be mad, Maggie Nelson fans. And then I think the the last thing that became really clear to me from being away and having this luxurious time to myself was uh, something that Eileen Miles said. She was here in Melbourne a couple of weeks ago and I was lucky enough to go along and see her talk. Uh, which was fantastic. And one of the things that she said among many amazing insights was, and this is going to sound so obvious, but she just said, write something, then write something else, and then write something else. And that is an idea that I have never really been able to reflect in the way that I write. I'm always like, I'm working on this poem and 
I'll get really stuck in it and I'll get really attached to it. I'll get very attached to the idea that I was trying to express and in doing justice to that idea, doing service to it. And that's not really the best way to do it because that idea might be kind of flimsy. And the more that you work on it, I think the more you get attached to something that might actually not be worth your while. And then it just becomes a, a sunk cost thing. You're just like throwing good energy after bad. So yeah, on the retreat, once I actually felt like I had the manuscript where I wanted it to be, I actually felt free to write other things. And that was really exciting because for the first time I was writing stuff that wasn't so much disposable, but was like, just, it, it wasn't for anything. And that's pretty huge for me because I'm really, really motivated by things like competition deadlines, submission deadlines, what does an editor want, that kind of thing. And I was just writing poems either to, to send to friends of mine or just because I wanted to record a certain idea. Um, and yeah, just that feeling of write something, then write something else was really, really freeing. So yeah, I share all that, not because I think you'll be particularly interested in my personal insights about my own work, but just because I think that maybe hearing about someone else's process might be useful for you. Um, as anyone who's listened to this more than once knows, I'm a huge process nerd. I like to know how other people write. I like to know what, what roadblocks they come up against. And yeah, thought that might be, thought maybe a few things that uh, came to me during this week were would be useful to hear about. So just for the sake of it here, I thought I might read one of my favorite Jane Kenyon poems to finish off. Most of it is very specific to Jane's experience, but in the last stanza, I think uh, it ties back to the ideas that I'm talking about here. So hope you enjoy this one. This is called Letter to Alice. Twilight. A few bats loop out of the barn, dip and veer, feeding on flies and midges in humid air. Before the storm, I top-dressed the perennials with manure, ashes from the stove and bone meal. The rain soaking through the black and white makes a mad, elemental tea. I bought the bone meal up in New London, where the streets are crowded for the summer with stately Episcopalians, and I've noticed that it hardly smells. We made less than usual on the church fair supper, held this year on the blazing Star Grange because of rain. Down in the valley, we're land rich but cash poor, shorter, stouter and lower church. By now the black flies are biting more out of habit than desire, and graduation night is over. I've picked up all the beer cans from the pond road to the bridge. The fully open peonies seem overcome by rain and carnality. I should stake them, white doubles with a raspberry fleck at the heart, blooming without restraint in the moist summer night. I planted them just last fall, and this is a good showing for their first year. More flowers, more art, right. Right. 